Hello, podcast listeners. So before I play today's interview, I just wanted to give you all a quick update on Great Light Studios and to let you know about ways that you all can help me to continue creating video and audio resources to help those impacted by the WMSCOG and other cult groups. I released my first video on the WMSCOG in May of 2018, and so it's been almost exactly four years since I started producing this kind of content. And over the past four years, it has been so encouraging to see all the people that are being impacted by the videos and the interviews and the podcasts and people that are leaving the WMSCOG and finding freedom and in many ways being helped by the videos and the interviews. And there's just a whole variety of people, whether they're former members, current members, people that are just on the verge of joining, or even those of you who have family and friends that are lost to this group. Um, I've just heard from so many different people that are being impacted by the the content being produced through Great Light Studios. And, and all that just has continued to lead me to keep doing it to want to do it better, to want to do more. For those of you who don't know, I want to let you know that I do rely on monthly financial support to be able to do this. As much as I would love to be able to just do this as a hobby and to do this in my spare time, um, I am a, a husband and a father of four. I do have a couple other jobs. And in order to, to feed my family and to pay our bills, um, I, I really just can't spend as much time as I'd like to on this channel. We do, though, have monthly supporters. We do have people that have been faithfully supporting Great Light Studios on a month-to-month -month basis, whether on Patreon or YouTube uh, memberships, or even some people just send checks in the mail. And that is something that I'm so thankful for. And it does allow me to spend some time on creating content each week. Unfortunately, it's, it's not enough to spend as much time as I'd like to have. I'd like to have the capacity to, to produce more videos and to spend more time just responding to emails and comments and doing all those things that are involved in maintaining this channel and helping to support the, the community that has sort of been built around uh, the channel and the podcast. And I suppose that's where all of you come in. And I guess I just wanted to let you all know that there is that need. Some of you are probably unaware that I do rely on monthly support in order to do all this. And so if you have any interest in supporting the channel, I do kind of have a goal to really raise the monthly support this year a significant amount. You know, that would be uh, a great help in allowing me to spend the amount of time I want to uh, continue to create content, whether videos or the podcast. There are several ways that you can support the channel. You can become a monthly patron on Patreon. You can become a YouTube channel member right on the Great Life Studios YouTube channel. Um, or you can make one-time donations through PayPal. If you have any questions about any of those things, all the, the links are in the podcast description below. You can also reach out to me at contact at greatlightstudios.com uh, through email if you have questions or just want to know more um, about what I'm doing or about what my needs are. Um, also, if you have ideas about churches or organizations that might be willing to support the channel or get behind the work that's being done here, that's also another thing that could be potentially really helpful uh, to me in continuing to be able to do this. 
I do believe that there's definitely a need for this content to continue to be produced, and I think there's a need for more of it. And so I am hugely thankful to those of you who have been supporting, and I'm hugely thankful to those of you who may decide to join monthly support. This is definitely my least favorite part of doing all this, but I do know that I have to be a bit more intentional uh, in order to raise support and I have to be a bit more transparent about our needs um, in order to continue to create content. And so before I play today's interview, the last thing I wanted to do, I just wanna share a few emails that I have gotten um, over the past year or so, uh, just so you can kind of hear firsthand some of the the people that we're hearing from and the impact that is being made in people's lives. These emails are all from former members. I'm not going to share the names uh, because I want to protect the identity of the people that share these emails, but this is an email I got from a former member who said, Hi Jordan, thank you so much for the various videos you have been sharing on YouTube. I was involved with the church for a couple of months from November 2019 to January 2020 and knew I needed to step out of it. Your videos helped a lot in that decision. Thank you for doing what you are doing to bring awareness about this organization. I do hope more ex-members come out, especially those who were involved in it for many years. It provides credibility for what is being shared and encourages those like me to be more confident in what we believe and feel. So another email I got says, Hello, Jordan. I recently left the WMSCOG and found the truth through your podcast episodes, as well as hearing Kelsey's experiences. So good job, Kelsey. She's a great resource for people like me who are now feeling lost. I have no other background in the Bible. My only religious background is from WMSCOG. If you would like to hear my story on why I left, I will be more than happy to share that with you all at Great Life Studios. I just wanted to thank you all so much, and I consider your podcast a little piece of therapy for me to get me through this. So this last email here is from Tony. I think she would be okay with me sharing her name. And so she is one of the hosts of the Playing in Traffic podcast. Um, it's a podcast between a two sisters. One of them is a former deaconess in the WMSCOG. So she reached out to me uh, and this is what her email said. Good morning. My name is Tony. I was a deaconess in the Denver WMSCOG and a member from 2006 to 2019. I just wanted to reach out and thank you for your research and videos. I left a few years ago, but just recently started looking on YouTube. To be honest, when I saw that you were affiliated with Christianity, I didn't want to hear anything you had to say. We were taught to never trust any religious leader. But when I started listening to you, I was very impressed. Thank you for giving members a safe place. Not many people understand what we went through and the trauma we experienced. You are very patient and non-judgmental. It's very hard to find that kind of support. And I just want to let you know that it is greatly appreciated. It is so difficult to find help when leaving. Your videos will definitely definitely help a lot of people. So 
Yeah, thank you to those of you who sent those emails. I do love to hear from those of you who are being impacted by the videos. Um, and so I, I read those not to uh, boost my own self, but just to kind of let you know and again, see firsthand the impact that the videos are making. And um, that is, those are the sort of things that I hear, uh, the sort of people I hear from that just encourage me to keep doing this and, um, and kind of show me how important this kind of work is. So with all that, thank you for listening to this long spiel. And uh, thank you again to those of you who are supporting the channel. And I hope you uh, enjoy this interview. It took me a long time because it's so hard for me to articulate everything that I feel and everything I experienced um, at the church yep. I was at. So it took me a long time to formulate, you know, what I what I'm feeling and thinking. Um, it's just a rabbit yeah. hole, I feel like. So. Right, right. Yeah, so how long has it been since you uh, got out? It's been a long time. So um, I was there for four and a half years and I finally left around the spring of 2018. Okay. So I've been out since 2018. And I, okay. I never fully addressed everything I was feeling inside until probably towards the end of 2020. Yeah. So what, what did that process look like as far as addressing those kind of lingering things? Was so, that therapy or was that something else? It was something else. Um, <laughs> I suppressed, I, I was very numb after I left. I suppressed a lot of my, even my faith. I didn't want to open a Bible. I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want to step foot in a church. My husband um, grew up at, at a church. His parents are pastors and he has his faith. Um, never pushed it on me. He knew what I went through. Um, but it wasn't until it wasn't until I gave birth in 2020 and uh, almost lost my life afterwards. Um, from just postpartum complications and it was really scary and and my husband couldn't be with me in the hospital because of COVID so wow. I was just kind of sitting like that was the loneliest moment of my life <laughs> thinking I'm gonna die alone and so I really had to face a lot inside of my myself about what I believe and uh, what my relationship is like with God and with my faith. So that was the catalyst to me addressing it. And I, I really wanted to push myself to kind of explore my faith again, but I knew in order to do that, I needed to really like deconstruct and unlearn everything that I went, went through and learned in the church. And that's how I came across your channel and a, and a couple of other resources I found that were incredibly helpful mm -hmm. to start rebuilding okay so when when was that about roughly when you started kind of looking at other resources like that um so i gave birth at the end of july in 2020 and then complications started so i would say around like august september i really it really was eating at me um and that's when i started doing some digging okay so can i ask if like 
how how did the videos like specifically the great light studios videos impact you and do you feel like there were things that you found helpful and then also were there things that you would maybe critique and say weren't helpful or maybe were um more harmful than than helpful um no i think all of it is helpful in different ways i think the doctrinal stuff and the studies you weren't quite doing the um the uh, counter the staff of moses yep um weren't yeah. doing that quite yet but you were touching on a lot of doctrinal um stuff in zooms um with with the rest of the crew and that was helpful to help me understand the doctrinal end but the most helpful thing was the ex-member interviews and just mm -hmm. feeling so vindicated and feeling like because when you try to explain what you have been through to people in your life it's hard to explain unless you've it's hard to understand unless you've been through it. Yeah. So to hear other people right. that have been through it and um, similar, you know, been through similar things, it just was very vindicating and, and comforting in a way like, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one, you know, mm -hmm. um, that right. was really helpful. And then, yeah. and then even um, I was even going through a, a couple of things that Edgar said when he was a current member honestly like tripped me up i was i was listening to that live um debate um oh so you mean when edgar came on and was debating us yes i was tripped up by that for a second because really, some of the things, really? It, it, i was out for so long but some of the things he was uh -huh. saying actually like triggered something and got me like do i still believe that like i just had to it it, it was but it's all helpful it's all part of a process um yeah do you, do you remember what any of those things were? No. Um, if, no. I, if I re-listen, if I listen again to Edgar's um, part of that conversation, I would probably remember at what point that I was really tripped up by that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's that hard. Make, it that makes sense, though. But. <laughs> yeah, it never fully goes away. So there are certain th verses you yeah. hear, certain, certain phrases you hear that it just triggers you to go back to that for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really hard to, I don't know if that'll ever go away yeah. for me. But So kind of when you say go back to it, kind of like puts you in a mode of questioning, like maybe like, is that the truth? And did I make the wrong decision? And am I going to hell for leaving mother God? Like things like that. Not quite as, not quite as um, severe for me, but uh -huh. um, definitely like, what do I believe? Do I really still believe in that? Like it, it just makes you question uh, a little bit because it's so drilled, all of it's so drilled into your mind at the time. Um, and you just never question it at the time. So then going back, I don't know, it just, it's just hard to re to hear those, those same lines over and over again. It just brings you right back to, to it. And it made, it made me question like, do I still believe in this part of it? I, I do know I made the yep. right decision and I'm very happy to not uh, be there anymore. But, um, and I don't, I definitely don't think I'm going to hell. In fact, my life got so much better leaving it very quickly. And that's, that was my, that made it even cl more clear to me that I made the right decision. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a transitional so, period that gets, it's tricky, but at yeah, the same time, yeah. healing, healing happens almost right away, even in really small ways. So and something that I, I 
would imagine that some current members would say in response to um, uh, us talking about, you know, like you having moments where you question or you'll hear things from Edgar and it'll make you doubt or question whether you still believe those things. Like I can hear them jumping on that already and saying, okay, well, that just proves that it's just the, you know, the unshakable truth. And it's obviously true and you really know it. You're just denying. But like that's that's you're going to experience that sort of thing no matter what religious institution or organization you separate yourself from. If you've been joined to something like that for a long time, you're going to have, you're going to have that. Um, yeah. That, that after effect sort of stuff that, that still happens in those, those things that will still trigger, trigger you back into that mode. And so there's nothing unique to the WMSCOG um, about the fact that you you and others have those sort of experiences, um, so I, I just wanted to to say that because I can just kind of imagine <laughs> members wanting to jump on something like that. So, yeah, I, some of some of the doctrines compelling. It, it some of it they they pitch a good uh, a good story, and uh, yeah, when you're very open minded uh, and you don't know much about the Bible before um, learning with them. It is very compelling at times, and some of it uh, it sounds nice on paper, but um, yeah. and you know some some parts of it speak to people in one way, and um, you know there are some things that I used to enjoy learning about um, in their doctrine, but it it's just so twisted, and it really yeah. just messes with messes with your mind a lot. Um, that I I know that it's not the truth, but um, some of it's can be a compelling uh, pitch that they give you sometimes. So yes, right, right for sure. Well, if if you're okay with it, would you maybe take us back to the beginning and explain to us kind of how you initially um, joined the WMSCOG? Kind of what was going on in your life? What caused you to get in, and and why do you feel like you were initially drawn? to uh to that group specifically um i think my story of how i got in is not uncommon um i was at a time in my life i was going through a breakup i was going through um you know i was in the process of moving alone i um to my own apartment and i was never close with my family um so i just kind of had that uh, like a lonely phase in my life um, and then I was having some health issues that were really concerning. Um, and so I just felt very, I had like a weak stage in my life. I felt a little depressed. Um, I was at a Walmart. They love Walmart. Um, and someone recognized me from high school. I still live in the same town as I went to high school. So someone recognized me and was very excited and came over and invited me to an event they were having at the church, which had nothing to do with religion, um, which is a lot of what they do when they plan events um, and things like that to get you into the church. Um, it was like a spa night or a girls' night or something I was invited to. Um, but I'm actually a very shy, introverted person to begin with, so I don't usually go to events like that. Um, I declined her invite and went on my way, and then she found me again 
before I left and invited me with uh, one of her little cards. And on the back of the card, there was a Bible verse. And like I said, I, I, I grew up Catholic. I'm Italian. You're just kind of a Catholic by default when you're Italian. Yeah. And I, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I never really grew up knowing, knowing the Bible. Um, and so that verse, I, I took that card home. I it was on my nightstand. Um, and I read it a couple times and I kind of liked like how it sounded. I, I, I don't remember which one it was, um, maybe about the living water or something like that. Um, and something just pushed me to like out of my comfort zone and maybe meet new people. And I went, uh, to their event. Um, the girls were really nice. Um, they invited me back again for studies and I was open to it, but then I quickly went online and, and Googled. And at the time there was this like scary looking website <laughs> that was saying like that, that the w, WMS is a cult and Ansang Hong is, is a false, you know, prophet and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, before I went back, sent her the, the person who invited me, I sent her the link and I said, what is this? I'm not coming back. And she begged me just come one more time and let me, um, you know, talk to you about this. And if you don't ever want to come back, you don't have to. So I went and they, they roped me right in. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got in. Um, I was preached to and invited at a time when I was alone, <laughs> um, yep. in my life and needing, needing something that you, you kind of find like, that's a common, a common factor. People who, um, Right. Join the church. It, they they look for young single people um, mm -hmm. in a certain age bracket, and it's more it's it's nice to know that you have a community or you have you can meet new friends and and, and maybe if you're um, not close to your family, it, it definitely has like a family feel to it at first. Um, that kind of draws you in a little. So. Mm -hmm. So what was your kind of initial? uh, reaction or, or feeling toward them when you joined and, and kind of like, um, did you notice anything weird? Obviously you read the stuff on the website and I would think maybe some of that would have stuck with you. Did you forget <laughs> about those things? Did that stuff get cleared up for you or? Um, it was always like somewhat in the back of my mind, but mm -hmm. I did enjoy the girls. I got to know the girls there. Um, they, we had fun, like they were, you know, I got close with them. So that was a nice part of being there. It felt really nice at first. Something always felt just a tiny bit off, but I kind of ignored it. I thought maybe it was me. Um, and they, they paint a different picture when you first get there. Yeah. What, yeah. what was that? Did you, were you able to put your finger at all on what it was that felt off? It's just a little awkward. Like you always feel like eyes are on you. So I, I have to say I'm from what they call an office church, which is a very small church that's usually in a business plaza or it's not an actual uh, church or facility. It's, it's very small. So um, it's very tight knit and close and there's not a lot of members. Um, it's just a little bigger than what they call a house church, which is literally in okay. someone's house. Um, yeah. So it was very small. And so like, I always felt like weird, like eyes are on you. Like, I don't know. I just felt, um, it just felt had, had like a, 
little bit of an awkward feel to it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you feel like you experienced um, aspects of control or manipulation, mind control, or, or any sort of, of your, you know, generic cult sort of behaviors? Did you pick up on anything like that? Not at first. In hindsight, it was there from the get-go, but um, as you as you get deeper, so with this group, basically the word indoctrination and the word faith can be interchangeable. The more indoctrinated you are, the more faith you have. That's how it's, mm -hmm. you know, and the more faith you seem like you have, it's because the you're indoctrinated further. So as you're becoming more and more indoctrinated and you're, and you're becoming like, like the group with groupthink and, you know, following um, the crowd and things like that, it just, um, it looks like you're building your faith. Oh, wow. She's growing. She's growing in Zion. She's uh, building mm -hmm. her faith. Um, but really it's, what it actually is, is that you're becoming more indoctrinated. So as you're becoming yeah. more indoctrinated, more um, expectations are placed on you, more control is placed on you, more guilt, shame, fear is placed on you. It's not all placed on you at once. It sounds mm -hmm. like, it sounds great. It feels great for a while. The faster you grow or study and be a part of the activities and things like that is when things start slowly piling up. Just mm -hmm. like Edgar touched on, like first it's, oh, you just do this one thing and then it's this plus this and it just keeps growing. It's the same thing with the psychological aspect as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I when I hear you say that, it sounds so like calculated and just sinister because because I, I can totally see that they would they do that. And obviously they're not going to throw all of this stuff on new members because it would scare them away. But when they know they kind of have these different hooks in you already, they know they can get away with, you know, putting like with you experiencing that pain of putting another hook in, in you, like you're going to put up with it because you already have these others, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's interesting that it, it sounds so calculated, but I, I think like even I would imagine probably a lot of the leaders don't even, I think they're so indoctrinated as well that exactly. they don't even realize what they're doing really. They're just, they think they're doing what is the right thing to do. And they probably, many of them probably also have these internal checks and um, bad feelings uh, deep inside about what's going on. But um, yeah, they, they just sweep them away with their, their cult narrative. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. it's, I think, I think that's, I don't think anybody there is in, intentionally malicious or planning or plotting anything. I, I think it's the, the doctrine itself and the, in the culture that's, that's grown there that it just, you don't realize it until afterwards in hindsight that that's when you see even my own behavior. I, I didn't see who, what I was doing. I didn't mean to, you know, mislead anybody or treat anybody a certain way. Um, when I started becoming very active and became a gospel worker there, I didn't realize what I was doing until after I left. And then I looked back in hindsight and it's kind of like cringy in a way. I'm just like, yeah, I feel yeah. bad, you know? And, and so that's, I, I don't think anyone there is maliciously or purposely doing that. I think they're so indoctrinated, like you said, that there's no yeah. way to really see um, yeah. when you're there. It's like, 
blinders. Um, and yep. you know, another thing I hesitated coming on is like, there's, there's a couple, very few pe people there that I really genuinely care about and miss. Um, mm -hmm. and I almost was a little careful of their feelings. Like I didn't want them to feel like I was talking ill of them because I'm not. Um, and I, yeah. I very much miss some of them, but I, I know that our relationship was built on, um, conditional, conditional love and like, where are they now? Have they checked on me? Yeah. Have they, um, do they miss me? No, it was all, it was just all conditional and it was, it was all kind of their version of love. These friends, you're saying that they're still in there. Mm -hmm. And, and part of the reason you were hesitant to do an interview was because of them. Partly. Yeah. So I was, Part of what my story, part of why my story is so complex is um, I became a mom unexpectedly there. Uh, while I was there, I adopted my niece um, who lost her mom uh, unexpectedly. And I went from being a single gospel worker who had all the time in the world to devote to the church and was there every day until late. I became a mom. Um, and that's a very different um, scenario in Zion when you're a parent, a mom specifically, not, not dads, but, um, I was always a part of the kids room, which is a, a mission. Um, I don't know if you know what the term mission is like, it's a very vague term, but we, we have missions in the church, which are like jobs or responsibilities. Um, okay. and because I was always a teacher for, my career, I was teaching long before I had my, my daughter. Um, they had me part of the kids room, which not usually the only members part of the kids room are mothers and they all contribute and take care of the kids in the church. Um, however, they, I was one of the rare exceptions because I was a teacher and had education with, you know, with inexperience with children. So I ran some of the activities in the kids room but I wasn't a mom. Once I became a mom um, and really bonded with the women there, the other moms, as well as the deaconess, I got really close to a couple of them um, that I think about very often. Um, I reach out to the deaconess sometimes still to say hi, because she's allowed to talk to me since she's a leader. Um, the other ones are not allowed to talk to me because I left. Um, but I do check on her with the hope in my heart that she'll say someday that she's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, she still is, but I have always sensed in her that she was very sad, um, being there and she was not happy. And so I'm praying really hard for her. I still am in touch with her. She's one of the people I think about a lot. Um, but the other moms there, we just had like a bond because we were there so much and we cared for each other's kids and we watched each other's kids grow. Um, we were such a big part of each other's lives. So those are the, the women I think about a lot. And I, like I said, I don't know who's still there and who's not. And I, I just felt, I, I'm always very careful of other people's feelings. And I um, was a little like, you know, didn't want them to ever think that I was talking maliciously about them right. per se. Um, right. Right. But there was a lot of very big problems um, that I had that caused me to leave um, that are, is in specific regards to the children in the church and the way that moms are treated as well as the children. So you can, you can actually sh share about that if you want. Um, if you want to maybe just talk about what, 
some of those things were that did start to make you really doubt and ultimately leave? So it's really hard to explain without knowing the deep like reasoning in the doctrine behind the way that they feel about children there. Mm -hmm. um, so I know you know some of it. I don't know everybody who everybody watching might not know, but um, they firmly believe that we were all angels in heaven before we came to the earth. And right. all of us sinned in heaven in one big event. And all of us are now born on this earth. Um, supposedly we're, you know, supposed to be sent straight to hell, but we're here to um, repent and, and all this stuff. Right. So they teach you that your, ch your child and your husband or your wife or sister, whoever's there with you, you need to disconnect from the relationship that you have with them biologically or relation relationship wise. They are just your brother and sister. And when you go to heaven, they will not be your child. They will not be your husband. They will not be your sister, brother. They will just be, um, you know, your equal or, or whatever it is. Um, so you kind of have to regard, it starts to change your parenting style. It starts to change what you expect of your child in church. Um, the things that they expect children to do, I feel, I never felt right about ever, but it became more apparent to me when I had my own child. And the reason is because my daughter came to me traumatized. Um, she was two years old. Um, she had no idea what was going on in her life. I had brought her right away. I got her baptized. I took her with me every, you know, every time I was at the church, but the children are expected to be in Zion for Sabbath day, very early in the morning for service. They're supposed to sit there quietly. They can't fidget. They can't play. They can't be loud. Um, they need to sit through service and there's three of them. And some nights it's very late. Like the service in the, su the summer is very late. By the time you're bringing your kids home as a mom, as, and I'm speaking in this specific church, all we were so small that pretty much almost every mom was also a gospel worker. And there was there was a lot of things to do after Sabbath day um, that we need, had, were responsible for. And so there wasn't many of us um, to help lead the church. And so a lot was placed on us um, in addition to being a parent um, in general. But by the time your child was leaving the church, it was like 11, 1130 at night. And they've been there since 830 in the morning. And my child was confused. Um, she was not able to, you know, she was tired. She was little, she was two, not able to sit through third service as any two-year-old um, after mm -hmm. a long day would not be able to be. Um, and they started, they started kind of, um, how do I say it? They started almost blaming her, her behavior on sinful nature and saying mm -hmm. that, you know, Satan was using her against me to try to distract me from the services and from the gospel. Right. Um, they started trying to separate me from her every Sabbath day. Um, when this girl was just lost her, her biological mom. Um, she was very attached to me. She was, um, just getting acclimated to everything. And, um, for them to, 
for them to feel and and that genuinely that that's genuinely what they felt because of the doctrine they felt that she was satan was using her um to distract me from my jobs and from the gospel and from my faith because of the way mm -hmm. she was behaving in in services um they also i mean i was equally as attached to her um she they were telling me she was like an idol to me um i, I don't know how you if you're familiar with how they feel about what they consider idols pretty much everything's an idol it's not just like a statue or a cross right. or it's yeah. it's a lot of things it, it's it's actually a tool anything to kind you of, put before god yeah but it's also it's just a tool to gaslight you and to yeah. make you make you feel like everything you're doing is wrong so right when when someone calls your own child an idol especially a church that believes in god the mother and believes in motherly love and teaches you Heavenly all these parents things and, yeah it's it's so it it's so hypocritical to start mm -hmm. judging moms and and shaming moms for being attached to their children in as children um and try to disconnect that relationship and and say you know in heaven you that wasn't your child and you're not their mom and you need to raise them in 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 zion um like the Zion way, you know, it's not physical, it's all spiritual and you need to raise them spiritually. And, um, aside from the Sabbath day, there, there's a lot of things, ec expectations on children and, and moms that are just not, I, I just feel they're not healthy. Um, yeah, you know, so was that then the instigator to make you start really, Oop, there goes my alarm. Um, was that, kind of the instigator to make you really start questioning um, and like, was that making you really kind of self reflect on what you were really a part of and whether you wanted to remain in there? Yeah, I think there was a time it was gradual. It wasn't all at once. There was a time when it started shifting between like, I, this is affecting me in my life and that's, that was fine with me. Obviously it wasn't enough for me to like be pushed to question things. But when somebody's messing with my kid, <laughs> I started mm -hmm. to think your, your protective instincts come out that you don't have necessarily for yourself. Yeah. Um, and so just little things started happening. Um, you know, that there's early morning services and late evening services during uh, feast times. So um, at one point I was a team leader um, f for the kids room and for the moms. And I was set to a certain standard and I was not going to wake, wake my baby up at four in the morning, um, to go to church before a full day of daycare, um, during the week. And I told them I will worship at home, um, while she's sleeping. Um, but I, I'm not going to wake her up to come. It's just too much for her. I think I tried it once or twice and it ended up really badly. <laughs> and, um, I needed to be really, really careful with her situation. It was very delicate. And sadly, no one, not one person understood that and was um, supportive. It was more like it was an inconvenience because now I'm, I can't do all the things I was doing for the church anymore. And it happened abruptly. Um, I always wanted my own, my own children. I always knew I wanted to be a mom and have a family. I uh, did not expect it to be that way. But um, even in the beginning, you know, I, I joined, I joined the church. I think I was about 23. 
Um, and so you're just starting your life out. You're young. You don't, if you don't have a wife or a, a serious part, a husband, serious partner already, um, that's something obviously on your mind naturally at that age. And so when I joined the church, I'm looking around like some people have kids and some people have husbands and wives, but they're, they're telling me that I shouldn't, I shouldn't want that for myself. Um, that wanting children in life is selfish. Um, it slows the gospel down. It slows mother from going back to heaven and she's in so much pain and suffering for us. And it's just seen as like a burden. And so I, that stuff never sat well with me. Um, never. So when I, when I got Lily, like unexpectedly, it was a huge blessing for me. Um, but it just was received so poorly and negatively Mm -hmm. by the church, by people that I cared about, that I was helping raise their children for years in the church. Um, it was just strange that that's, that's definitely was the start of the end for me. Um, I was, because I didn't bring my daughter to the early morning services, I was demoted. I couldn't be a team leader anymore. Um, I started getting things taken away from me, which when you're in it, when you're in there and you're a gospel worker, it's, it's really sad to get blessings taken away from you and missions taken away from you because you're considered more blessed, the more you can do for the church. So it almost felt like I was being punished. Um, for, for trying to take care of your child. For doing what was right for my, my baby. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of interesting because I feel that what religion can do oftentimes, unfortunately, in people, um, <clears throat> not just the WMSCOG, but it when somebody embraces and internalizes doctrines in such a way, um, like you're describing, it can cause them to not be capable of seeing the human being that's in front of them and being able to have, you know, just, just basic common sense, human responses of, of, you know, empathy and uh, kindness and compassion and understanding uh, doctrines kind of just, shut that part of, of them off and their perception of people is entirely, entirely filtered through that doctrine so that, um, it just seems like they, yeah, I I suppose it just goes back to this, the aspect of them being robotic. Um, they just sort of Mm -hmm. go along with the programming, um, rather than having real interactions where they're seeing a, unique individual with a unique experience, unique needs. They're filtering everything through their, their doctrines, their beliefs. And, um, and they have you pegged immediately for being, you know, a lack of faith or, or worldly or, or whatever, fill in the blank there. Um, you know, they have it, they have it figured out. They have you figured out and, uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, and that's I think a characteristic that I just see not in just this group, but in I've seen it in myself at times. I've had I've I've done that. I've been guilty of that, and uh, hopefully, am am moving away from that and growing and, and learning to not function that way. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I think um, them needing to put on a facade of, of being happy all the time, it, it makes everybody mm -hmm. a little bit numb <laughs> in there as well. Um, in addition to like not being able to talk about anything worldly or physical, where like that's a basic human connection is being able to talk about physical um, you don't have to talk about like inappropriate things or un ungodly things, but just to right. be able to connect, um, that's fast forward to now. Um, I did find a, a new, I did try a new church and found one that I absolutely love. And there's not one time that I'm, that I'm there, um, where I don't feel completely like, connected with, with everyone as, as Christians are genuinely asking, you know, how, how are you doing? How can we su support e each other? Um, you know, it's, it's very connected and it's because they care about your, you as a person. And that includes mm -hmm. your physical life. That includes who you are and what your life's about and what you do. And, and, you know, those kind of details. And if you remove all of that, what, what connection do you have to each other? It's just very, um, uh, outwardly yeah it initially looks very warm and inviting and loving and welcoming but after a while you'll learn um the more you grow in the church and the more you see that it's actually very cold it's very cold it's very uh it's like a shell there's mm -hmm. it's just nothing there and you don't see it until you finally leave and then you realize um all those relationships were we're actually not real. <laughs> um, no mm -hmm. one's gonna, no one's gonna, no one's gonna think about you and miss you and ask how you're doing. Um, yeah. And the family and friends that you had that you probably pushed away while you were in church, they'll be there when you, <laughs> for you waiting yeah. when you when you leave. So. Right. Yeah, because they're real family. <laughs> exactly. So, so you notice then you feel like you've noticed a difference between. I suppose the character of WMSCOG members and leaders in those relationships compared to those that you're experiencing now in a, a Christian church. It's night and day, complete, complete opposite. I was scared to join any sort of community or congregation because of what I experienced. And I, I didn't want to conform to like, you know, the first couple of times I went, I was like three minutes late in the parking lot, getting my kids out of the car. And I, I felt anxiety about being late. Why would I feel that way? It's, it was so like drilled into me that you you're obligated to go by a certain time. You can't be late. You have to be dressed a certain way. You have to, your kids have to be a certain way. And so it took me a little while to like, let that go and breathe. And like, it's that environment is not, it's not like that. Like it's so, opposite and it's everything God knew I needed in order to be comfortable going back to a church. This church I'm telling you is like everything I needed um, in order to yeah, rebuild, to help rebuild my faith. So that's great. So do you feel like you lost being in the group? Did you lose like your, <clears throat> your personality, your um, autonomy, your, your own interests and hobbies? Do you feel like like who you were was suppressed and that now coming out, you kind of, I guess, rediscovered yourself again? Yeah. Um, suppressed is a really good word. Um, your, your true self never fully goes away. 
because that you are who you are. You have to suppress it and it's hidden from everyone around you. You change, everyone around you sees it. My coworkers who at the time I was, I had a, um, the same job for several years, so they knew me very well. Um, everyone at work sees it, your family sees it, your friends see it, your friends start to fade away. Um, not because not because you're doing anything, uh, they're not doing anything wrong, it's just because you're changing and pushing them away without realizing it. Um, it just, it's hard because it happens so gradually in a way that you're not aware of, of it's, it happening until you're fully a whole different person, it feels like. You don't realize yeah. it's happening. Um, me, I was a little bit of the black sheep in a way of my church specifically because I always, I couldn't turn off that human connection. I, I just couldn't. Um, and so I didn't feel like the rest of them sometimes I felt like, and then that'll also stirred some, like something in me where I'm like, am I like, do I not have enough faith? Am I too worldly? Am I, um, cause I wasn't like them. I, there was a part of me that wasn't, but the rest of it, it was just all so suppressed. I did completely change as a person. And then being, I would say being out, um, it took a while to like even relearn who I was. It made me a better person, um, but it was also coinciding with me becoming a mom and and fighting for my daughter and all the things we were going through. So I'm not sure what um, was responsible for what, but I I definitely went through a major change um, for the better when I left. I became a better person than I was even before I went in. Um, probably from what I experienced and also just being a mom and, um, growing up a little bit and. Yeah. So do you feel like you had, um, you said you, you feel like you, it made you a better person in a sense. Did it, um, did it give you like a sense of peace? Do you think it gave you what, um, I guess just hope or kind of a feeling, a sense of connectedness with God or, or any of those sort of things that you, you know, really, I would, I would think are kind of the, the basics of what, if religion is true, should offer. But did you feel like you experienced those things in the WMSCOG? Um, yeah, the, the connectedness with God came way later. Like I said, it, I only started addressing that at the end of, towards the end of 2020, but I don't think I would have this connection I have now with God if it wasn't for what I, what I experienced um, in the WMS MS, because I had to learn what God isn't. I, I just had no, no other um, exposure to, Christianity or to religion prior to the WMS. So I had nothing to compare it to. Um, but learning, learning what God's love isn't, but, but living it for four and a half years. And then later realizing that that's not what God's love is supposed to feel like. That's not what being a Christian is supposed to feel like. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not what your relationship with God is supposed to be like. Um, it's not conditional. It's not fear-based. It's not um, this authoritative, negative, like 
being in your life at all times where you need to be sorry and be fearful. And of course we fear God um, naturally, but not, not in the way that it's like shoved down your throat there. Um, Mm -hmm. Me, me having to unlearn things to relearn who God is and, and what God is like, it, it definitely opened my eyes up a lot and made my faith probably 10 times stronger than it would have been if I never experienced that. Um, but I had to go through that first. Um, so yeah, go go ahead. Um, I forget what the other part of your question was. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's yeah it's interesting to hear you say that, and so you can. Yeah, I, I feel like it's maybe helpful for some people to be able to hear you say something like that, because I would imagine for some people um, that maybe it's, it's difficult to think about the fact that, you know, for some who have spent literally a decade or more of their life in that group, and then they realize that it's all a sham. And like you're saying, this is not what Christianity is. This is not what a relationship with God is. Um, uh, Or, or some people just, don't even think about those things and they just leave all of it. Um, but, but I think it would probably be difficult for some people to wrestle with the fact that they've spent so much time and, and put so much of their lives into that. And so, um, I do think that, yeah, it's, it's hopefully encouraging for people to be able to hear you see actually benefits of it. And, and even in spite of realizing what it is ultimately, um, you still can see how it, it was um, ultimately served a, a good purpose in your life and did, I guess, I guess uh, Bob Ross, or do you know Bob Ross, the painter? Yeah. <laughs> something, something he says while he's painting, that's, that's, I just always loved it. He would always, he would first paint the black trees and then, um, after he had paint like the trees really dark with like a really dark color. So it stood out. And then after that, he goes in with a lighter color and taps in like the, the highlights. And he would, every time he would do that, almost he would say something about how, uh, you know, you have to, you have to have darkness for the light to show up or something like that. And he would exactly. kind of relate that to how that's kind of how it is in life. Sometimes that you have to have the dark things in life for the light aspects to uh really come forth and so uh yeah just a little wisdom from bob ross it seems like it, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, was, it maybe relates to what you were saying it definitely does um yeah all all that happened after you know i felt really numb for a while and like i said my husband uh he grew up with very strong faith and um you know in his family he ra- was raised in a church um he never pushed it on me, but also he, he never failed to like still encourage me when, um, I was having a hard time or I was anxious or worried. Um, and he always felt so calm. Like he's just such a cool, calm and collected kind of guy. Um, but I think some of that is because he has a firm faith in God and he knows God has his back. So that's something I didn't have at the time. And he always reminded me you know, God, God has us look, look where he brought us. He's never, he's never failed us before. He's not going to walk away from us now. And I, I was numb to what he was saying at the time because I I was just so shut off. Like I couldn't, 
I couldn't read a Bible verse. I, I couldn't think about going into a church. Like it was just, it was really hard. Um, but that stuff always resonated with me because I, I saw what, what it did for my husband and I wanted that. I really wanted that peace in my life. Mm -hmm. I wanted that confidence and I, and I wanted that calmness. Um, and I didn't have it. And I, I didn't even have it when I was in the WMS because that's not the type of love and comfort that they teach you. So yeah. seeing, seeing my husband and just seeing like how solid his faith was in, in belief in God. And I wanted that. And so me just wanting it. And then the nudge that I needed that, you know, God planted the seed in my, my heart to like see, seek him again after I went through everything that I went through, that's all it took. And honestly, um, after that, I feel like I had to push myself and, and like fight for my faith again after what I went through, because I was just, the walls were like solid. <laughs> um, and so, like I said, I was continuing to look on, um, on your channel and talk to, talk to people, um, that were in the church or very familiar with the church, um, on my own time, but also even the little steps I was taking, like, I feel like I, I would meet God 1% and he'd meet me 99% every time. And those moments helped me rebuild my faith because it was very clear, very, very clear at those times that God was meeting me like 99% of the way and I could feel him. And that's when I started coming back alive. Like I really started feeling everything growing and, and, um, you know, just coming back, um, and it was way different than, like I said, than it felt in the other, in, in WMS. So, um, so your, your experience or the way you now think about God is different. So much different. And I, I don't know, maybe I would have never fought so hard for my faith if, if it wasn't for one, the, you know, what I was going through, um, like I explained, but also the things that I went through in the church. Um, there's just so much. I, I just, the reason why it was hard for me to do this interview and sit and talk is because there's just so much that I, I feel like it's like tip of the iceberg and there's so much that wants mm -hmm. to come out and I just can't get the right words. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, there's well, I just think you're doing good so far. Well, thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know that we all touched every, everybody that's interviewed with you has touched on very common, like no matter what Zion you're from, you're, you're getting very common, um, themes, themes. Exactly. Um, but yeah. I, I don't remember any, anyone come on talking about, you know, the kids specifically or, or how moms mm -hmm. are regarded. Um, you know, in, we had a change of church leaders while I was there, which happens very often but the missionary that we got um who was actually married with the deaconess that i told you about that i really love um but he was korean and um they lead very differently than the non-korean leaders there um and he was started shaming moms american moms are lazy american moms don't know how to parent um the kids are misbehaving because we don't know how to to parent our kids we don't know how to discipline our kids um, didn't want the kids to be anywhere around like where the adults were. Um, we had a, our kids room was like <laughs> insanely small. I, I don't even know the dimensions. It was really, it was like not, you could probably fit like a twin bed and a dresser and 
I don't know, it was really, really tiny um, because it was an office. It wasn't meant, they didn't build this building f for the purpose of it being a, a church or a kid's room, but mm -hmm. the kids were just cooped up in there. No, no windows. Um, there's just cooped up in there all day. And of course they'd get a little bit crazy, but it was all put on, on the moms. Like we weren't, we weren't competent. We weren't, we didn't know what we were doing. Moms would spend their, their, like, I know, you, you know, a lot about tithing it. The members ended up spending a lot more than just 10%. <laughs> in their offerings and tithing um it it probably gets to be upwards of like 40 percent of your income if you're a gospel mm. worker and you're part of several missions um because all of it's coming out of your own pocket so if mm. you're part of so many missions and doing so many things um especially as a mom so moms moms have to tithe their own money but they also have to tithe for their children so they're tithing their money twice in a way um yeah right which is just that, that's sense. just <clears throat> criminal <laughs> in in my opinion it, it's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, i've wondered if 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 members would have any sort of like legal case um if, if one was ever to pursue yeah trying to get restitution because it, it it is it's just it that's a frustrating aspect of it how much they manipulate and push members and use fear and and shame and all that stuff to get members money and yeah. and yeah and, and that that's a, that's another aspect that i feel would be um i don't know maybe maybe members when they get out they're just so relieved to not be a part of it anymore they um i haven't really heard any member be too upset about the money they put into <laughs> um tithing maybe they're just so relieved they're out but uh, yeah. From the outside looking in on that, it, it just seems like that. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah, so, moms. So we we were all responsible. Maybe this is not the same in larger churches, but we were responsible for feeding the church out of our own pockets. So when it's your turn to cook dinner, you're cooking dinner for like thirty adults, um, and your team pitches in money to to cook the dinner um buy the ingredients and go cook it and it, it's like once or twice a month you're responsible for that but moms are also responsible for feeding the children it doesn't come out of from my specific church i'm not saying other churches were this way they all have different rules and different leaders but um we also had to supply the kids room with everything they needed including snacks drinks um lunch sometimes um and i've seen moms spend their food stamps like on the church and there was no the leaders did not mind that they were spending their own food stamps for their own children on the kids because it was their turn to host, you know, to, to spend the money yeah. on the groceries or whatever. And those are the things that never just never sat well with me. Yeah. yeah. You know, there were times my electricity got shut off at home so I could pay bills at the church. Um, really? It's just, yeah. That was, yeah. did that happen more than once? Uh, that happened a couple of times, um, and wow. the the leaders were aware of it, and they were aware of it, yeah, and we're fine with it, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's just like that again, just goes back to what we were talking about: how when you internalize doctrines in, in certain ways, how it just makes you um, incapable of of human interactions and and having basic empathy and just 
common sense about how to uh, treat people. It just, yeah, it just inhibits inhibits certain people from being able to do that. And it's it's the same thing with how what you're describing. It seems like with the the kids and how they're treated, um, as just almost treated like just uh, burdensome animals or something that you just kind of have to put up with until they're, you know, able to contribute something and then be worthwhile having around. Um, yeah, it's just very sad. Yeah. And again, this, this might not be the case in, in larger churches that have more members and more resources mm -hmm. available. Um, but in, in my specific church and, and probably churches of the same size, um, there's a lot of pressure placed on the small amount of adults that in, in parents that, that are part of that church. And so that those are the things that are happening, um, or were happening when I was there. Um, yeah. And it's just collectively between that and, you know, the things I went through with my daughter and the things that I was told the night they told me that I was being separated from her from now on in the church because Satan was using her against me. Um, I told them that I was the last back. straw. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So like when they told you that in that same conversation, is that when you told them you were done? Yeah. I, they knew I wasn't happy. I, I sat the deaconess down after I got like demoted for telling her I wasn't going to disrupt, you know, all that stuff during the feast times and things. Um, I told her that I wasn't happy and I was thinking of leaving. Um, we had a couple of conversations, but when that, ha once that happened, I told her that there's, I'm not coming back. And did that happen? Did you, is that when you left for good? Yep. And I felt so, that's one thing that might've changed me for the better. I felt em empowered. I felt good um, about my decision for my daughter. I felt like I, in, in my heart, I was making the right choice and I felt good, you know, as a mom. Um, I never stood up, uh, up for myself <laughs> a lot in my life. Um, I was always really quiet and submissive and just wanted to keep peace and wouldn't speak up for myself. Um, so it was just, felt really good to know that I made a, a solid right choice. And mm -hmm. so after I left, I, I, I didn't ever question that I was making the wrong choice by leaving. Um, it just, it was just a hard transition. Um, but I, I felt like it made me a stronger person. It made me more confident. It made me just, um, a better mom. Um, there's just a lot that went into it, but yeah, I, I never looked back after that. I, I could tolerate what was happening to me, but once, once I started seeing things with my daughter, I, um, those, that's when I started really like becoming disillusioned, I would say to a lot of other mm -hmm. things, um, in general. So it was, it's just, it's all a, so much, it's all so much that it's hard to tell you in a conversation, like mm -hmm. everything tied into right. it. Yeah. So did you, did you at that time, were you, it, it sounds like it wasn't like doctrinal things that you were doubting really. It was more just the experience and the behaviors and the, uh, yeah, the way they were treating you and your daughter. So did you have what, what, I guess, what were, was your thought process at that time with the doctrines as you were leaving? That's a good question. So the doctrines I openly accepted 
because I did not have any knowledge of the previous knowledge of the Bible. So it all, I never questioned it. It all made sense to me. Um, like I said, some of it's compelling and it sounds nice. So it's agreeable. Um, but then once I started seeing, so I started seeing the way that doctrine was used psychologically against you. So I guess I'm, I was less, the reason why you're seeing that I'm having more of a problem with like the psychological piece and the, the behavior is because it, it is wrapped into the doctrine because the doctrine is what's making them behave that way. And so that's the problem I had with the doctrine is like the, you could you can kind of pinpoint the things in the doctrinally speaking that they're using against you as like a weapon and so mm -hmm. that's that's when i started having a problem with it i can't tell you i i can never debate and go back and forth about doctrine because i wasn't i'm not well versed in the bible aside from what i was taught by them but i can tell you i the things that i've seen that they where they use it as weaponry against you and and yeah. use to gaslight you and to twist things and um that i saw right away and that's when that's what i wasn't okay with yeah we weaponizing doctrine that <laughs> that's yeah they, religious because things, people are yeah. good at that yeah and i don't know um thing, things that they truly believe they're doing right is because of their right. doctrine so the way they're behaving there and treating other people or or the way that their systems work within the within the culture of the church it it is wrapped into their doctrine so mm -hmm. like i said Absolutely, indoctrination yeah. and faith are interchangeable so yeah. it's 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 yeah just, it, i mean you it's kind of kind of like the saying goes you are what you eat and and these peoples are consuming this certain idea of god and what god is like and you're going to you're going to become what you're, what you're focused on and what you're worshiping is what you're going to become like that. And so if you're worshiping and focused in on this, this God who is, uh, you know, really in, in, impatient and judgmental and, and just all about your performance and, and whether you're doing all the right things for him and, and keeping your Sabbaths and keeping your Passovers and tithing and, and doing your preaching and, all the rest if if that's the idea of god that you have then it it totally makes sense that what's going to follow from that is you're going to treat other people that same way and you're you're going to be you're going to act and behave toward other people the same way that you perceive that your god acts and treats you which is i think why it's really important to you know, I think why the Bible emphasizes so much knowing God as kind of the ultimate thing, really knowing him and knowing what he's like. Um, because when you don't and you have wrong perceptions of him, it it creates a lot of junk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, what else? The other the other thing that I forgot to mention about me leaving um so when I did tell the deaconess I was leaving, um, the next conversation she had with me was like the first Sabbath day that I didn't show up. Um, and she was talking to me over the phone and she tried, she told me, so you know the relationship between branch and fruit, right? Did someone explain that to you already? Like the person who invites you and gets you baptized is your branch. And then is, that person okay. is your fruit. So like you bear fruit, meaning like you, you bring people to the church bring that are baptized. Converts. Yeah. 
Yes, but they have to be baptized and then they become your fruit. And you have this spiritual connection forever now because you brought, you're the one who brought them. You'll always be their branch and they'll always be your fruit. And um, they twist a lot of verses, which I don't have uh, in, in my mind, but there's a lot of verses about, you know, branch and fruit and, and that you can see someone's character through, you know, look at the, their fruit or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of, um, connection with the whole fruit thing. Um, but your child, your child is your fruit because you, you brought them to the church and got them baptized. So, um, when I, when the deaconess was telling me that I was not only going to hell and killing spiritually killing myself, but I'm actually also killing my daughter and sending her to hell by leaving because she's my fruit. So, um, she was kind of trying to guilt me that way by saying that I'm actually like causing my child to, um, be, I don't know, sent, sent to hell and, and spiritually killed and spiritually killing someone else is like the worst thing you can do. Um, and so she was trying to hit me with that when I left, but, Hmm. um, so did, when you left, did they reach out to you? Did they pursue you and and try to get you to come back? Um, so a couple of times. So the only people that were allowed to contact me were my, my own branch was the girl that preached to me in the Walmart that day she was allowed to talk to me because she's my branch. But the only way that she could talk to me was the, the only reason she could talk to me was to invite me back. So a few times she would reach out to me to like ask me for, to come for Passover or um, ask me to like rethink my decision. But once, once it became apparent and clear that I was not coming back, then she had to cut me off. So she can't reach out to me anymore. Um, But she was able to, she was allowed to for the purpose of trying to get me to come back the deaconess is a lot is able to talk to me and I, and we do still talk, but no one else is allowed to talk with me. Anymore. The deaconess is the one you, you said that does still talk to you. Yeah. Okay. So do you, do you guys talk often? Um, we reach out. No, not often. Like I would say a few times a year, but a lot of things okay. remind me of her. Um, she's, she's a beautiful, uh, like, I'm saying these things that she said to me, but I don't think those things were her. That that wasn't her inside. Yeah. Like that was just her, you know, programming. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't take that personal from her. I, yeah. I genuinely like, I saw also who she was inside because I kind of, like I told you, I always had that like human connection still part of me and I just really care about her. Um, hmm. And so some things remind me of, of her sometimes and I'll like, whether that's a message at my new church or like a memory that's unlocked, like something funny or fun that we, you know, or something little like that. And I'll, I'll reach out to her. Like I said, in the hopes of her saying that she's not there, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's, it's refreshing every, to hear you. It's refreshing to hear you talk about, uh, or, or just kind of seeing her in a positive light, even though you, you know, you would, be in a sense justified to hold bitterness or anger at her but to be able to see past that see past the the indoctrination that's that is basically um energizing her behaviors and and uh but to be able to look past that and see the person inside 
which is which is exactly what they do not do to right. um, you, but for you to be able to do that and still have kindness, I think that's yeah, that's that's good, uh, and that's that's encouraging to hear. Um, so, um, d- did you have something else you wanted to share before I move to the next question? I don't that? think so. Okay. Um, so other than her, um, do you feel like you had any other close friends in there and did they, did all of them basically immediately cut you off and did all those relationships just kind of come to an abrupt end? Yeah. Um, because they, and I knew, I wasn't sure like who would have reached out to me if they were allowed to, I know that they weren't allowed to, but um, sometimes I wonder like if they would have, if they were able to, um, but it all was an mm-hmm. abrupt end. Um, there were children there and moms that I, I, I was, I raised, I helped raise their baby. We were there almost every day and, and every Sabbath day. And I was, you know, some of their kids were infants or very, very young when, when I was there, um, in the beginning. And so, um, it also made me sad, like to miss out on the kids too. Um, I wonder how they're doing all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very abrupt and it's really hard. It's a hard thing to face when you leave, but you have to kind of like remember why you left and it's, you're, you can't just stay there just because of those kind of things. Like, if it's not healthy and not good for, good for you, um, you can't let those things hold you there. Like your relationships that you have with people, because naturally you're, you're there, like you're there more than your home. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty much, so it, it's hard not to, not to become attached to a routine or attached to the familiar faces that you're seeing every day and that you've, um, do so much with and spend so much time with. But, right. um, yeah, there was, there was one mom that, um, also left like a little after me and we didn't know that about each other until one of us like found each other on social media or something and um, realized that we were both out. So I, um, I talked, I talked to her a couple times. Um, we didn't really keep in touch, but it was really nice to, um, know how she's doing and how the kids are doing. But yeah, it's, it is, it's very abrupt and it's, and it's really unnatural and it feels a little weird Mm -hmm. at first when you leave. Um, because like I said, most, mostly all of them are not allowed to contact you. Right. So did you coming out, did you have hangups with doctrine? Um, or were there other things that kept you kind of feeling like maybe tempted to go back? Um, okay. So one of my thoughts when, when I was, was fresh, um, was like, I almost wished, part of me almost wished like maybe, maybe I would have stayed and maybe I would have been happier if I just stayed as like a regular attender and like, didn't, didn't grow so much to ha- gain so much responsibility on me. If I was just there to visit on like one service on a Sabbath day and I, I d- wasn't so involved, like maybe I would have been happier, but that's the way of thinking either because, um, it's just, it's just not um, for a lot of reasons, but that was one of my first initial thoughts. Um, as far as hangups, um, I do still sometimes have a problem with the whole like Trinity and modality thing. Um, that's Mm -hmm. something I still can't wrap my head around. I, the way that 
World Mission Society teaches it makes a lot of sense to me. I know not the second coming Christ part, but the the relationship between the Trinity, it it made a lot of sense to me. That's something that's still hard for me to understand. And I've I've asked a few people, I've asked my mother-in-law, who's a pastor, to explain it to me. I've asked my pastor to explain it to me. And it's <laughs> something really hard for me to grasp. Um, yeah. And so that's that's one of my only like hangups in that in that way. Um I think the uh, where wherever you're you're at with the Bible and and Christianity, that the doctrine of the Trinity and that whole aspect of understanding how the Father relates to the Son and and how one is God while the other is God is just uh, one of the most confusing <laughs> and hard to grasp <laughs> concepts. Um, so yeah, I. I that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all that 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 would be still a, it's a it's a hang up for me I, I don't get it either so um and then the only the only other things is like certain verses or certain um like studies or or things like that mostly verses like when you hear the verses that were used against you so much in the yeah. wrong context it almost at first i felt like okay, if the Bible's saying this and this part's true, then do I even believe in the Bible? Because I don't like the, what that, you know, what that the implications. Uh, meant. Yeah. Yes. So like, so I almost couldn't look at those verses in a way outside of how it was like twisted against me, against us for mm -hmm. a while. Um, it was really hard. Like certain verses like that will still trigger me. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, then what do I, it almost makes me question, what do I believe in? Do I believe in the Bible? Because if the Bible says this, and mm -hmm. I'm not in agree agreement with what that verse is saying, but you have, that's why the unlearning and the, the like deconstructing has to come yeah. into play because then you can start to see it in a different way. Whereas like, that's still sometimes hard for me, depending on the verses, like, you know, they use a, a certain set of verses that they repeatedly use over and over again to like drill mm -hmm. certain, certain things into yeah. 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 And ultimately it's just that, yeah, that deep rooted fear that they're using those verses to put in you. And so, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Um, do you, are there like specific examples of verses that you'd <laughs> I want wish to I share? Came more prepared or, because I'm sure there yeah, are, no, but no, I, no. yeah, no I would love to share them with you. Um, if I dig a little bit in, into that, um, yeah. there are definitely specific ones I could pinpoint for you. Just not, uh, not now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, maybe like, what would you, I guess, how would you encourage or say you, you're, you're kind of years, um, into this as far as being out, and so I, I'm sure you, you've had to learn how to cope and you've had to learn how to heal and how to um, really fully detach. So what, I guess, what advice or encouragement would you give to others who are a lot earlier on in that process and, and probably wrestling and struggling um, a bit more with it? Um, it takes work. It does, but it's worth it. And you'll, if you look for it, look for things in your life that, that are sparking joy back into your life. And, and you'll see that, you know, you're on the right path and, it, and it's just a huge transition and it takes time. Mm 
Um, and it, like I said, it takes effort. So whether that's you wanting to learn how to seek, um, seek God out again or rebuild who you are because you kind of lost who you are in there, um, all that stuff takes a little work um, and it takes time. So just to be patient with yourself, um, you know, be patient with people around you whose relationships may have changed with you depending on how long you were there. Um, I know it took a little bit of rebuilding um, for me with my my family and a couple of my friends. Um, just give yourself grace and patience um, and that good things keep coming. Um, it just naturally falls back into place. Um, it just, yeah. Um, my, my life started, first of all, immediately started healing and getting better um, because I, I was very firm in my decision. Not, that's not true for everybody. And that even that might take time. Um, but I would seek out every resource you can. Um, I mean, your, your channel is like by far the, the most helpful thing that I've come across. Um, and a couple other uh, resources that, that I found in my search, like I constantly, um, um, you know, finding information to help me that way. Um, that's mm. really helpful. Um, and just, you, you just find those little sparks back in your life that bring you joy and, and you realize things get better. Um, and, and help solidify the fact that you completely made the right decision and, and you can take your life back that you just completely lose yourself and you lose the life that you had. Um, and it usually doing the work, you end up ha finding a better one, <laughs> a better life and a better sense of self than you had before and a better relationship with God. Like, um, because you're putting that work and effort in. So. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I really appreciate you being willing to, to share and, um, yeah, this, this has been a long time coming and totally understand, uh, you know, for a, a lot of, you know, a lot of people will reach out and want to interview, but they'll kind of say, you know, I want to, but I'm not ready and, and I need some time. And so I think that's, that's very normal to want to kind of process it. And, um, but yeah, I'm very grateful that you, you came on and shared. And I think there's definitely unique aspects to, to your story, um, that will be helpful to people. So, um, are there any any final things, anything else you'd want to share or say? Um, only that I, I mean, I'm I'm I can be here if there's if there's anyone who's in the church or or out of the church that are is struggling and needing you know someone to um, share with or or ask questions. Like I'm, you can always give them my email or information. I would love to be there okay. for whoever needs it or has any questions or anything like that. Um, so I definitely welcome that as well. And um, that's about it. Great. 